I love what God's doing here and so exciting to be part of that uh, commissioning. Let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to start a new series today. It's called Irresistible. And I love the uh, graphic that they came up for this series, uh, pizza, because I love pizza. How many of you like pizza? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pizza's irresistible, isn't it? I got some pictures here, some other foods that I really like that are irresistible for me. Uh, love donuts, chewy donuts like that. I could eat that whole plate of donuts. Any, pretty much anything peanut butter is irresistible uh, for me. Peanut butter cheesecake. And then when it comes to candy, uh, M&M's, pretty much irresistible for me. Uh, last weekend, we went over to uh, Minnesota to visit our son. He's a student at a uh, college in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we went to the Minnesota State Fair. I'm curious, anybody here, you ever been to the Minnesota State Fair? Oh, a few of you. Yeah, it is a huge, huge State Fair. One of the biggest in the country. The food is just amazing. And I knew it was going to be good food. And so I told myself ahead of time, I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to overeat. And uh, they had a lot of the foods on a stick that you see at uh, state fairs. And those aren't really that tempting for me. But at the Minnesota State Fair, they, they sell buckets of uh, food, uh, buckets of French fries, buckets of uh, cheese curds. And this is the one that got me, okay, the bucket of chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, uh, Sweet Martha's cookie jar there, hot cookies, gooey chocolate chip cookies. Uh, they were, I ate way too many of them. <laughs> They were just irresistible. Now, I'm not trying to get you uh, hungry, okay? It's not the goal. I'm trying to get you to think in a direction because we're going to talk about a characteristic of a healthy church that we don't really talk about very much, but it's actually very biblical. The big idea for this series is that church should be irresistible. Church should be a people magnet. Take a look at this description here of the first church. It says, every day... They continued to meet together in the uh, temple courts. They took bread, uh, broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and, look at this, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice this phrase, glad and sincere hearts. It means they had joy. They were just filled with joy. And, and, and they enjoyed the favor of all the people, this word favor, here's what it means. It means that people felt drawn, they felt attracted, they liked the church. And notice God added to their number on a daily basis. And so the, the people on the outside, they wanted to get on the inside. Uh, they wanted to experience the love and the joy and the friendship that they saw in the church. I mean, who wouldn't want that? The church is irresistible. It's interesting that Luke, who wrote this Book of Acts, also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Look at what he says about Jesus. Look at how he describes Jesus. Jesus grew in wisdom and, and stature and favor. There's that word again. Not just with God, but with man, with people. In other words, we don't, I don't think we tend to think of Jesus this way. But he was a people magnet, a sinner magnet. People loved Jesus. People invited Jesus to weddings and parties and and social gatherings. In fact, did you know that the, the, the growing uh, popularity of Jesus is really what put him on the cross? Yeah, here's what happened. People stopped going to the temple and they started following Jesus and the leaders of the temple, the religious uh, leaders, envied the, the growing popularity of Jesus and that led to his arrest and crucifixion. The irresistibility of Jesus got him in big, big trouble. I was thinking about this, that if somebody asked me this question, 
then, in a nutshell, what is your strategy for ministry? What is your strategy for making more and better followers of Jesus? I would say the irresistibility of Jesus. And uh, I would just quote John 12, 32, where Jesus himself said that if I am, when I'm lifted up, I will draw people to me. In other words, if we just lift up Jesus, if we just show people Jesus, the real Jesus, Jesus will attract people to follow him because he is irresistible. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, Ben, that sounds great. Jesus is irresistible. <clears throat> the church is uh, irresistible. But if that's true, you know, why aren't we making a bigger impact? Why aren't churches more successful? And uh, that's really a good question because in our world today, we've got more churches and, and more Bible studies and more Christian podcasts and websites and Christian books and music and preaching and teaching than ever before. Why aren't we making a bigger impact? I think it's because a healthy church, an irresistible church, has two sides. There's a supernatural side. We, we, we rely on, on, on Jesus. We, we rely on the power and the presence of, of Jesus. We can't do this on our own. And Jesus will do his part. But an irresistible church also has a human side. We've got to do our part. We have to create the right environment in the church. And that's where we have some more work to do. And so today I want you to see a passage of scripture where Jesus shows us what it looks like to create an environment uh, that is irresistible for the church. And if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Or if you've got a Bible on your phone, turn it on Go ahead and, and, and go to Matthew chapter 9. Beginning in verse uh, 35. Here's what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers uh, into his harvest field. Notice, first of all, uh, this word, crowds. Okay, notice how it's plural. I mean, we don't normally talk that way. The Green Bay Packers, you know, have a big game tonight. And the radio announcers don't say we have sold out crowds at Lambeau Field today. No, it's, it's, it's crowd. So why does it say crowds plural? Well, I think it shows the irresistibility of Jesus. It started as a small crowd, but as Jesus healed people, as Jesus began to talk about his father, and how we can develop a relationship with him. Another pocket of people gathered over here. And another pocket of people gathered over here as people just were like, this is amazing. This is incredible. And they went and they got their friends. And they brought their, their, their family. The crowds kept coming and coming. And notice how Jesus uses a harvest language here. But he's not talking about crops. He's not talking about farming. He's talking about the opportunity to help more people follow God. He says the harvest is ripe. People are spiritually hungry. And every single survey that I come across indicates that people are still hungry. The harvest is still ripe. And we just have to do our part and create the right environment in the church. And Jesus will do the rest. And so I want to share with you three words from this scripture that describe the environment the right environment that makes a church irresistible. Here's the first word, the word compassion. When he saw the crowds, Jesus 
had compassion on them. Notice how Jesus doesn't see just this impersonal crowd. He sees individual people that are struggling with their problems. And they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. Sounds like many people today, doesn't it? And notice how Jesus doesn't respond with anger or judgment or disgust. No, he responds with a broken heart. Did you know that 85%, I think it was in the video earlier, maybe you caught this, 85% of the people who live in Milwaukee and uh, Waukesha have no meaningful connection to Jesus or to a church. You know, I wonder, does it, does it, does it break your heart that so many people struggle with, with their problems and they just feel empty and distant from God? It should break our hearts. It should move us to compassion, just like our leader, Jesus. Sometimes what happens in, in churches is we get confused about these two words right here, the word conviction and the word compassion. Now, by the word conviction, I mean our, our beliefs, our doctrine, our theology, our moral teaching. Sometimes what happens in, in churches is that we prioritize our convictions ahead of compassion. And so we, we, we can put so much emphasis on our convictions we can get so passionate about our convictions that, that it turns into anger, us and us versus them approach. And so people who don't believe the way that we do, people who don't agree with, with us, the very people that we're called to love, we start making them into the enemy, the opposition, us versus them. And you know what? When we do that, when we go that far, the real enemy wins. Now, I'm not saying, don't misunderstand, I'm not saying convictions are not important. No, no, no. Convictions are very important. But let me ask you a question. What are we supposed to be known for as followers of Jesus? Our convictions or our compassion? I'm going to let Jesus answer that one. Take a look at what he said here. New command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Look at this. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's love. That's what we're to be known for. See, it's a big problem, a big, big problem when we're known, when we're known more, uh, when the outside world, we're known more by, by them, by the outside world, more for our convictions than our compassion. Now, does that mean we set aside our convictions? No, no, no. Convictions are very important, but we must be known for love. I want you to see something else here. Jesus says, this is a new command. Now, what's, what's new about it? I mean, it's not really new to teach us to love one another. Here's what makes it new. Jesus says, as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus redefines this command. He gives us a whole new perspective. And as Jesus has loved us, we extend love and compassion to others. And when we do our part to create that kind of environment, it makes the church irresistible. I was thinking about a trip that I took to the mall uh, recently to pick something up and, and I was kind of in a hurry. I walked through the mall. I walked through the, 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 the part where they sell food, the, the, the food court. And uh, I walked by uh, one of the food places and there was a, it was actually a woman who had uh, a plate of food. She was handing out samples, a plate of chicken with uh, toothpicks in it. You know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that uh, before and she's handing out free samples and I didn't want any but as I walked by she sticks out a, a piece of chicken on a toothpick and uh, honestly it was a little bit annoying to me but it's hard to get mad at someone who's uh, giving you something free 
I mean, that would look foolish to get, you know, all upset and uh, angry at someone uh, who's doing something nice for you. And so I took the chicken, and without really thinking about it, I put it in my mouth. And you know what? It tasted pretty good. I looked at my watch, and I'm in a hurry, but you got to eat, right? Um, everybody's got to eat. And before you know it, guess what? I'm sitting down in front of a plate of chicken. And see, every day we're surrounded by people who don't believe what we believe. We're surrounded by people who are hurting and feeling empty and distant from God. People who are spiritually hungry. And that's why it's our job as followers of Jesus to hand out samples of the love and the compassion of, of Jesus. I wonder what would happen if, you know, we just walked around school, we walked around our neighborhood, we walked around the workplace, and we were just... We, we, we just had a plate full of, of, of toothpicks and samples of the love and, and compassion of Jesus. We were just always ready to give out a sample. That's why we handed out toothpicks at the door when you walked in today. I want you to take that toothpick and put it someplace where you'll, you'll remember it. Maybe in your wallet, maybe in your purse, maybe on your, your, your desk. As a reminder to do an act of compassion, an act of, of love. For, for someone this week. Maybe you do something kind for a neighbor. I don't know, maybe you mow their grass, maybe you help them move something heavy. Maybe you take someone a meal or, or, or buy someone a meal. Maybe you bring a coffee for a coworker. Maybe you volunteer for this event that we have coming up later on this month, the back to school, super cool back to school event at Whittier Elementary School in Waukesha where we give out free outfits and haircuts and backpacks and school supplies to kids and families that are in need. Following Jesus means that we are known more for our love and compassion than our convictions. That's the first word. Here's a second word that describes the, the right environment for an irresistible church, the word prayer. In, in verse 38, Jesus says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He says, ask the Lord. He's talking about prayer. He's saying, ask for help. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I have a tendency to pray for things that I want. I, I, I pray for my family. I pray that God will keep them safe and healthy. I pray for people who are sick, people who are ill. And those are good things to, to, to pray for. That's fine. But Jesus challenges us here to create an environment of prayer where we ask God to help us gather the harvest. We ask God to help us fulfill our mission of making more and better followers of, of Jesus. And, and right now is a great time for us to just elevate, elevate prayer in our, in our church. We're getting ready to launch this new campus in, in Pewaukee in, in just four weeks. The soft launch actually begins next Sunday. And I want you to know that we've already experienced the power of prayer. We began praying over three years ago and sensing that sensing God leading us to, to start a new location, start a new campus, even though we didn't know where, we didn't know how. And the last 15 months especially, God has really moved and so many pieces have fallen into place. God has already answered many prayers. God has done a lot for us. We've already experienced the power of prayer. Reminds me of this story about uh, the uh, famous basketball player, Michael, Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan, back in March of uh, 1990, he had his highest scoring game ever as a uh, professional basketball player for the Chicago Bulls. He scored 69 points 
in one game. There was a, a rookie player alongside Michael uh, that night named Stacy King. Stacy King played 17 minutes. He took four shots. He didn't make any of them. He took two free throws and he made one of them. Stacy King scored one point. And then later that week, a reporter interviewed Stacy King and he said, Stacy, tell us about your, your time in the NBA so far. What's your favorite memory in the NBA so far? And uh, Stacy said, oh, my favorite memory is the night that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points in one single game. You know, that's what, that's what goes on in prayer. That's what prayer is like. You bring your one point and then you pray and the, and the power and the strength of God begins to flow through you. It begins to flow in the church. And when we get focused on prayer, it's like inviting God to do something great through us that we could never, ever do on our own. And, and that's why as a church, we need to elevate uh, the importance of prayer. And so I've got a couple of prayer challenges uh, for you. Here's the first one. We're calling this event 24 Hours of Prayer. We've got a team planning this event for us. It's coming up on September 28th and 29th. And what, what we want you to do is sign up for a 30-minute slot. We want to go before God as a church 24 hours together. And uh, everybody can do this. This team is, is working on some real simple instructions for you to follow. You, you sign up for a 30-minute slot. You can pray at home. You can pray, you can pray here. Uh, the, the, these instructions will give you simple guidance. And if you're interested, just write your name and your email on the welcome card. And on the back, write, I want to pray. And somebody will follow up with you. That's the first challenge. Here's another challenge for prayer. Pray every day at 9.38 a.m. or uh, p.m. And I picked 9.38 for a couple of reasons. Number one, 9.38 is the reference. Matthew 9.38 is a scripture where Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Okay? And I also picked it because 9.38 in the morning is probably a time when, when most people are up. Um, if you're not up, you're probably up that late at night. So 9.38 a.m. or p.m. And set your alarm. And when your alarm goes off, take maybe 30 seconds and pray, God, would you help the Pewaukee campus get off to a strong start? God, would you move in a big way? God, would you give us the opportunity to invite more people to your church? Wouldn't it be cool if all 1,600 of us prayed every day, even for just a couple minutes, God, would you give us the opportunity to share your message with more people? I don't think God's going to say no to that. Think about the opportunities we would have to help more people. God would just release a wave of outreach if we all joined together in prayer. And so I want to encourage you, maybe you got your phone out right now, go ahead and, and uh, schedule your, your alarm to go off at 9.38 a.m. or p.m. And every time it goes off, just pray for a few seconds. That's how we create an environment that is irresistible through prayer and through compassion. And then one more word, by serving. By serving. Look at what Jesus prays. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus looks at, the, at his followers that have gathered. And he says, look at all the crowds here that are, that are here. The harvest is great. The harvest is, is, is ripe. People are, are hungry. But Jesus says there's one big problem. There are not enough people willing to help people in need. There's not enough people willing to serve. According to Jesus, I mean, the harvest is great. The harvest is ripe. The problem is a lack of workers. 
And so for Jesus, it all came down to this principle right here. The level of involvement determines the level of impact. And if we look at this principle from a positive perspective, it means a high level of involvement makes a high level of impact. And we know this to be true. We know there's power in numbers. If you take a group of people who have a common goal, a group of people uh, working together, they're going to accomplish a whole lot more than just a couple people will. Think about the Green Bay Packers. Big game, big game tonight, this Sunday night. And uh, those of us that are Packer fans, we want Aaron Rodgers to stay healthy. We want him to play great. But we also know we need the defense to play great. We need the offense, especially that offensive line, to play great. We need the special teams to play great. Every NFL fan knows that uh, two, two or three players don't win a championship. Teams win championships. And Jesus says God works through this same principle. I mean, you show me a church that's on mission with Jesus, that is, is, is making a big impact. A church where, where, where people's lives are getting changed. And, and you know what? I'll show you a church with a very, very high level of involvement. People serving is not optional. It's an expectation. If we want Jesus to work in and through our church, now, with any principle, there's a, there's a positive side to it and then there's a flip side to it. And here's the flip side of this principle. Low level of involvement means low impact. God will choose to limit his impact if we choose to limit our involvement. And I know this may be hard for some of us to hear, but if you follow Jesus and, and if you're not involved, then there's going to be some needs that we're not going to be able to, to meet. There, there will some, be some people who will not be able to find Jesus. And that's why we're counting on everybody. We need everybody to step onto a serve team and help us create the right kind of environment so that Jesus can draw more people. Now, these next four weeks are going to be really fun. And uh, they're going to be really exciting. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. You don't, you don't want to miss. You want to be part of this this journey, especially these next, next four weeks as we go from uh, one church in one location to one church in two locations, one location here in Waukesha and then one in Pewaukee. And here's what's going to happen on October 7th. We're going to have a bunch of people that are going to come in, new people. They're going to come in and check us out. We're going to begin a new series that weekend called Fixer Upper on relationships because many people uh, would love to hear teaching on, on improving relationships. You know, all of us have relationships that from time to time need some renovation. We're going to have people show up that are hurting and they don't know what to do. People who feel broken and, and they're coming through those doors and they're going to give God one more, one more shot. And some of us would say the decision that those people make about whether to come back, that it all depends on the message that weekend. And I would agree, but not the message in here. It comes down to the message that they receive in the parking lot. It comes down to the message they receive when they uh, walk through the doors and somebody greets them. It comes down to the message they receive when they go down the hallway to check in their kids and they go over and get a cup of coffee. It comes down to the message they receive when they walk through these doors into this room and the message given by the tech booth and the video uh, booth. And the message given from the stage by the, by the, by the singers and the, and the musicians and the people speaking up here. And I can't think of any better message than we're organized and we're ready. And we want to serve you. We want to help you because every area is filled with people who selflessly want to create the right kind of environment 
so that Jesus can draw more people uh, to, to come back and, and follow him. It goes back to this principle. If we want God to make a great impact, then it's going to require everybody to get involved. And so here's our challenge. We're getting ready. We're going to send just over 300 people. When you add it all up, just over 300 people are heading over to Pewaukee to get, get that campus off the ground. And many of those people that, are, that we're sending, they have served on teams here. And I wish that they could be in two places at once, but they cannot. And so we need just over 200 people who aren't currently volunteering to step on the serve teams right here in, in Waukesha so that we can refill and replenish those openings and continue to create an environment uh, to fulfill the mission of Jesus. Now, here's some specific areas where, where we have uh, needs, our greatest needs. First impressions, we, we need 60 people to step up and serve on this team. And if you'd love to make others feel comfortable and welcomed, this is for you. We need communion servers and greeters and, and kitchen help. This is, this is critically important because uh, these people set the first impression for new people who walk in the doors. Another area that we have is, is in the arts area. And uh, if you play an instrument, sing, or really love video, photography, and tech stuff, this ministry is for you. We need people to help in the tech booth, vocalists, band, uh, band members. Think about this. We're going from three services on a weekend to five services. And so the need here is, is great. We have a huge need in the arts area. And then another area is in the uh, cafe, the Red Sea. If, you, if coffee is your first love after Jesus, you'll love it here. And this is a very fun area to serve. You get to make coffee, make different kinds of drinks. They'll show you how to do that. They'll train you. And you get to serve guests and help us create a warm and friendly and irresistible environment. Another area is, is group life. If you're looking to connect with others, study the Bible and pray for others, this could be for you. Some of you can, are ready to step up and be group leaders. We need, we need more group leaders. And we've got great materials we can provide for you. We've got staff that will train you and encourage you and help you. You can do it. We also need members on prayer team. And then the uh, fifth area is actually where the, where the uh, largest number of volunteers are needed. We need 100 volunteers to serve in kid life. If you love spending time with kids, teaching or making them feel valued and cared for, this ministry is for you. We need some teachers some of you can step up and, and teach. If, but even if you're not a teacher, we need lots of people to help in classrooms and with check-in. And so we got a big challenge ahead of us. And that's why we need everybody involved. We need everybody to step up. And so if you're here and you're not currently on a team, I want you to step onto a team. You might wonder, does that mean I have to serve every week? No, no, no. That's not what we're asking for. What we're asking for is, is, is for you to serve two times a month. And I'm not asking you to, to do this because of what you're going to get out of it. Although I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I think you're going to have fun. I think it's going to be fulfilling. I think you're going to make some new friends on your, on your serve team. But I want you to do it because Jesus says there are so many people in need. He says the harvest is ripe. And this is what he's commanded us, us to do. This is how we help more people find and follow Jesus. And so when we get done in here in just a moment... We've got five areas in the lobby, and, and it's all color-coded to make this real, real, real simple. And so I want to challenge you uh, when we leave here to just go into the lobby, go to one of these areas, and just have a conversation with somebody. Maybe as I went through that, that list of areas, there was one where you thought, you know, that sounds interesting. 
That sounds interesting to me. I'd like to find out more about that. You go and have a conversation and just find out more about it. And if you're interested in first impressions, go to the area where, where you see red balloons. If you're interested in the arts, green balloon area. Red Sea Cafe, white balloon area, group life. That's where the blue balloons are located. Kid life, we've got a bunch of yellow. They're actually gold looking balloons. You go to that area. Now, if you're here and you, know, you serve sporadically every once in a while, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, once a month, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go from once a month serving to twice a month serving. And by taking that step, you know what? You're doubling the impact that we'll be able to make. And for those of you who serve week after week after week, we, we count on you. You're dependable. We're here because of you. We don't, we, we don't thank you enough. And uh, I don't say thank you enough. Many of you work hard all week and you've got stress and pressure in your life. And you could do other things. But you prioritize serving God and serving other people by serving on a team here. You play a critical role in creating the right environment here for God to work. And I want to encourage you to continue allowing God to work through you. Now finally, sometimes people ask this question, am I needed? And I think one reason why people ask this question is because it seems like every weekend, you know, everything gets done. You know, you don't walk into this room and uh, go, oh, where's the band? Is there no band? Did the band disappear? You don't go down the hallway to drop off your kid and wonder, you know, I wonder if there's going to be anybody back there this week. I wonder if the teacher's going to show up. It, it seems like we always have people. It, it always seems to get done. And so people ask, am I needed? And I always say, yeah, you're needed because there are always more people uh, with needs. But especially right now. Because we're getting ready to send over 300 people to Pewaukee. It is a new chapter in our church. This is a new day in the life of, of, of River Glen. And so our need is, is huge right now. Our need is great. And if Jesus were to stand up here right now, I believe he would say, River Glen, this is a great opportunity that is in front of you right now. And you have no idea how many people right in our community are searching and just feeling broken and empty and lost. And they're looking for a different way to live. And they're really wondering, does God care about me? And I believe Jesus would say, the more you get involved, the more lives I will change because of it. And so here's how I'm going to close. I'm going to just pray. And then when I'm done praying, I just want you to head out into the lobby and start having some conversations. Really allow God to lead you to the, to the right area and the right team. Earlier in the service, we had the uh, Pewaukee team up here. We commissioned the, the Pewaukee team. And uh, you know what? I want to commission you, okay? Consider yourself commissioned to serve here. And I want to say thank you uh, to all of you in advance for stepping on a, on a serve team, to serve people and to serve God uh, here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me and I'm going to pray and close us out. God, thank you for Jesus and the way that uh, he makes church irresistible. God, God, would you help us to do our part and, and create the right environment in this church? God, I pray for those who, for whatever reason, are, are not serving on a team right now, not using their gifts and abilities. God, give them courage to take this step today. Would you guide them to, to the right area and the right team? 
And God, I pray for those who are, are kind of sporadic. Would you give them courage to take this next step of involvement and help us make an even greater impact? And God, thank you so much for those who already use their talents and gifts. Thank you for using them. God, would you just fill their cup and encourage them to continue? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you in the lobby.